I'm not going to stand behind there because I have to stand on my tippy toes to see you. But it's nice to have a place to spread out my notes. It's good to be with you. Uh, most of you, I think, know who I am. And uh, those of you who don't won't remember my name anyways. It's a difficult one. No, I'm, I'm really pleased to be here uh, from uh, Weyburn, Saskatchewan. Uh, Jane and I have been working there since 2013, serving the church there. And uh, it's good to be back close to Carmen and uh, to be able to be part of this event uh, as just to be, just to be here uh, is a wonderful blessing every year. I want to thank the uh, Carmen congregation for uh, continuing this, uh, uh, this good, good thing that you do. And, uh, and to those of you who come from other places, there's some of you that uh, don't live here, but this is where I always run into you. <laughs> and it's, it's good to see you. This is, this is great. You know, my, my mom is here with me, and uh, her family were some of the first members of the church in Carmen uh, way back. She doesn't remember that, of course, because that's before her even. But it was a long time ago. And uh, so my roots are here. And, uh, you know, my Uncle Claire is in his spot in the, you know, next door. And uh, Claire Williams and, uh, and some of the other family are there. Uh, anyways, it's, it's just really good to be here and have this time. We're going to have fun this morning. Uh, if, you didn't, uh, if you didn't look at the schedule, uh, two things. Well, first of all, if you... Most of you are probably here because you didn't look at the schedule but, uh, and see who was speaking. Or the other thing you didn't see was that uh, we, we really have the same lesson this morning as we did last night. If you, if you look at the topic, uh, if you look at the uh, passage that I'm going to cover. You know, when uh, uh, Randy was talking to me about coming and being part of this weekend, uh, he said, you know, it, it, the theme for the weekend is... You know, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you, you just pick something from there. Well, you know, for a preacher, that's like turning an eight-year-old loose in a candy store. You know, I can pick anything from, uh, from that part of the scriptures. It's a wonderful uh, part of the scriptures. And uh, right away, uh, my thought went to this passage, uh, do not be anxious or the translations that uh, uh, some of you will use, and actually the one I'm going to use this morning says, do not worry, do not worry. And one of the reasons why I thought that would be a, a good topic for me to speak about is because I tend to be sort of one of these, un, un, what's the word, unflappable. And I used to think that means that I, I can't fly because I don't have wings. But what, what it really means is, is that you know, I don't get too upset by things. You know, I kind of, things just can kind of roll off of my back. I kind of enjoy the uh, uh, image that I project of being happy-go-lucky. Uh, you know, nothing bothers me. Everything's okay. Um, you know, things change. I'll just roll with it. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think I do fairly well with that. But I have to confess to you that 
while that's what I project on the outside, the fact of the matter is I'm, I'm no better than, than any of you. In fact, I may be worse in some ways. Um, I do, I do get, get anxious about things. I do worry about things. And uh, it's, it's not uncommon. You know, when, uh, when Jesus brings up these things... Oh, by the way, uh, Hugh keeps talking this weekend about the Sermon on the Plain. Okay, the Sermon on the Plain, you know, because the Sermon on the Mount here, as it's recorded in Matthew, in, uh, in Luke is kind of split up into uh, several discourses in different places, and, and uh, at least in one place it's called Sermon on the Plain. So he's mentioned that a little bit. So uh, Sermon on the Plain, I guess if, uh, if we were to give uh, this part of the, uh, the whole discourse a, uh, a title, it would be... Uh, the sermon at baggage claim, okay? Not on the plane, but at baggage claim. Because uh, what it is when we worry is that we're, we're carrying baggage with us through life that we don't really need to be carrying, okay? Uh, one of the letters in the New Testament, I should have looked this up, says, cast, cast all your burdens on me, do not be anxious but cast all your burdens on me. But we're not very good at that. Or even Jesus said, you know, uh, come, to, come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Jesus will lift our burdens, not make them heavier. But, uh, but this uh, problem with worry, what it is, is, is we're, we're carrying too much of the burden of life that... You know, the good news is, is that God wants to help us with that burden. He wants to lift our burdens. Uh, he wants us to check our bags and uh, come on the plane and to fly without being burdened. That's, that's what he wants to do. And so uh, we come to this passage. And I'm just going to read it uh, from Matthew chapter uh, 6. And we'll start at verse 25 and, and read through to the end of the chapter. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. I forgot to bring my tie, but that's okay. I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? By the way, if you have a, a Bible with footnotes, you may see that an alternate... Uh, phrase that's found in some of the uh, earlier manuscripts say uh, you cannot by worrying add a cubit to your height. That, that actually speaks to me a little more than, than the other one. And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you even Solomon in all his glory 
was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. So I've, I've confessed to you already that, uh, that I worry. Uh, although I, I, I hide it well, and a lot of us do. Uh, we sometimes cover it with our, maybe with our sense of humor. Uh, for many of us, though, uh, many people I notice don't hide, they, they talk about their worries all the time, and uh, it's interesting. But you know, through, throughout this sermon, this whole discourse, and Matthew, I mean, Matthew records as, as if it is a single discourse. Uh, not that it likely was given in just one sitting, but the fact that he records it that way and, and puts some things in there that ties it all together, actually, uh, is in it in a, of itself something we need to pay attention to and that has meaning. But, you know, as I look through this, and, you know, I jumped right away at the topic, oh, do not worry, because I thought, well, I can speak to that one. Um, I, I'm a little bit afraid of the rest of the sermon, because I know that I don't do the rest of it very well either. You know, some of those things. Uh, chapter 5, 21 and 22. If you are angry with a brother or sister. Well, you know, uh, I get angry. Again, I sometimes hide that pretty well, you know. I think a lot of people that I get angry with don't know that I'm angry with them, but I do get angry, you know, with people, and uh, Jesus has something to say about that. So um, I like to get past that one. And, of course, I use the New Revised Standard Version, which likes to include my sister in that. Yeah, I used to get angry with my sister a lot when we were growing up. We don't see each other that much anymore, so it doesn't happen. But if you insult a brother or sister, you know, or some translations uh, uh, tell us what the, the literal is. It says, if you say reka, which I'm not, I'm not sure what that means. Apparently, it's some kind of really uh, horrible insult in the Hebrew language. You know, kind of like calling someone a, a Habs fan. You know, that would... So, well, I do that, you know. In fact, I'm sometimes a little bit too good at, ins at coming up with insults for people. I I'm usually being sarcastic, but it's, I can be too sharp-tongued. So anyways, um, and there's a lot in this sermon. You know, if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. What? You know, I play hockey. I know what it's like to get, well, slashed in the ankle. 
And my immediate reaction is not, oh, here, get the other one as well. <laughs> I don't do that, naturally. And, you know, I don't really think many of us do that very naturally. We struggle with these things, don't we? They're, they're not that easy to do. Give to everyone who begs from you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. That's in chapter 5, verse 42. And, I mean, I think I'm a pretty generous person. And I, I have, you know, in Weyburn, we, 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 and when we lived in Red Deer, we did a lot of ministry and a lot of, provided a lot of help to people who, uh, who didn't have much and some people who live on the street. And we do community suppers in, in Weyburn for people who are down and out. But, you know, uh, uh, I have this tendency when someone comes up and I know who they are and I know what they're going to spend a dollar on if they have one, I have a real struggle giving them that dollar. But Jesus says, give to everyone who begs from you. So anyways, I didn't want to speak about that, so I didn't pick that topic either. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's verse 44. Yeah, I, I pray for my enemies. I pray that uh, the Lord would take them far away so that I don't have to deal with them anymore. But I'm supposed to pray for their welfare. Uh, in one of Paul's letters, I'm instructed to do good to my enemies, uh, not avoid them at all costs. My prayer is to be how can I find ways of showing kindness to this person? Dear Lord, help me find a way to bless my enemy. I haven't prayed that prayer very often. And so I didn't want to talk about that either. Instead, I chose to talk about worry. Uh, but I struggle with worry just as much as I do with all of those things. All of these things that Jesus talks about are things that we struggle with because of our, our human nature, our, our weakness of the flesh. And, and then on top of it, then Jesus says, be perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect, and uh, your righteousness you know, should surpass that of the, of the Pharisees. Oh, great. You know, thanks for bringing that up. But you know, there's good news. And, uh, you know, Hugh, when he covered this yesterday, actually, it's the perfect introduction to my lesson today. <laughs> Thank you, Hugh. That was very good. Um, but, he, but the solution that, that Jesus gives is the solution. And it's for all of these things, really, not just for the problem of worry. It's the solution for the problem of when I get angry with my brother and want to hurt him, want to get back at him for what he did to me. It's the solution to the problem of, of when somebody is asking for something that they see I have and, and they, they think they need it and, and am I going to give it to them. It's the, you know, all of these things, it comes back to the same solution. And that is for us to recognize that we are in the care of a heavenly Father who gives us everything. We have nothing without Him. And, and this is why we don't have to worry. This is why we can give. This is why we can lend without expecting to be paid back. 
God is going to look after us. Our heavenly Father is going to look after us. It's going to be okay. We don't need to be so worried about it all. Uh, a couple of points of clarification, though, that I just want to mention. First of all, uh, we're not talking about a struggle that's limited to just a few people who suffer from some forms of uh, psychosis, like we, we call it anxiety disorder or paranoia. Jesus is talking about something that we all, we all struggle with this. We all worry too much. Worry about things we don't need to be worrying about. And sometimes to the exclusion of things that we need to be paying more attention to. You know? And that's what Jesus talks about in it, you know? You're, you're worrying about your food and your clothes, and, and those aren't the important things, you know? Uh, there's the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And those are the things that should have our attention and that should kind of consume our interest and in what we're doing. But instead, we, we worry about things that don't matter as much. Um, another point of clarification. I need another one of my pages here. I don't need all of these pages, thanks to Hugh. He covered so much yesterday. That's wonderful. You know, the, the word in the Greek for anxious that's used throughout this passage, or worry, is, uh, and I can't pronounce it correctly, and it has different endings depending on how it's being used grammatically. Merimnate, merimnon, merimnate, merim... Anyways, it doesn't matter how you say it. But that term has the idea of, of, of uh, to care, to really care about something. And as Hugh pointed out last night, though, that what Jesus is not saying is, is that you shouldn't care about anything. You know, or you shouldn't care about people. Or you shouldn't be, you know, there's nothing you need to be concerned about. That's not, that's not what he's saying. Uh, there are things you need to give your attention and your care and your concern to, and especially to people. But the thing is, is, is it means, the word means, the word as it's used here and throughout the New Testament, is the idea of being overwhelmed with care, to, to, to be concerned to the point of distraction, so that that's all you, you can think about, and, you, and, you, and you're neglecting other things. And that, that's, what, uh, that's what that idea of care. So that's the other point of, of uh, clarification I just wanted to bring up. Now we'll go to the next page. If, did, did some of you get an orange handout for this morning? That's good. We're going to use this orange handout a little bit. Some of you got it in, in uh, just the, the sort of bleached version. It's just white. But it's, it's got all the same stuff on it. Let's explore this question for a few minutes. When does worry become a spiritual problem for me? Okay. Uh, to a large degree, we've talked in sort of generalities about things, but, but we need to be more specific, I think. I need to, I keep saying we, and, and this is a sermon uh, about my spiritual problems, so I maybe should stay in the first person. But I'm, I'm, I'm good at, at the general principle, and I'm not always good at the specific application in my own situation. And so I'm asking some questions to help 
uh, ingrained into me. When does worry become a spiritual problem for me? When I worry more about things of less value and less about things of more value. Okay, and that's what Jesus uh, talks about in those verses, especially in verse uh, 25. You know, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? There's more to life than, there's some things that are more important than others. And it becomes a spiritual problem if I'm so worried about the things that matter less that I don't give enough attention to the things that matter most. Well, then, then worry has become a spiritual problem. For instance, uh, like in verse 26, uh, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? And I love how the lessons this weekend, and it, again, it doesn't surprise me because Matthew put all this stuff together as if it's a single discourse. But when we talked about salt, and when it said you are the salt of the earth, and I think the first point that uh, um, Menemtim, what's his first name? Right, yeah, and he's 95 years old. I, I find that one hard to believe. That's what he told us. But anyways, he was saying salt is precious. You are the salt of the earth and salt is precious. That's what Jesus is saying here too about why you don't need to worry. You are more valuable. People are more valuable than anything. And you are a people. You are, you are one of these people. People are more valuable than things. But when I have a problem, a spiritual problem of worry when things come ahead of people. And you know, sometimes that does happen in, in my life. I'm not, not going to talk about yours. You know what your life is like. But in my life, that happens sometimes. Um, when I'm always thinking about the money I have or, or don't have, then worry is a spiritual problem. And of course, in verse 20. 24, which is the passage ahead of, of our passage, it talks about that. Verse, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, depending on your translation, it might say wealth, which the New Revised said, some of them, some of them say uh, money, and some of them say mammon. And I don't know what mammon is, but I know what wealth and I know what money is. Well, I don't know what wealth is either, but I know what money is. <laughs> I do know what money is. And, uh, but I have a spiritual problem when I'm always thinking about the money I have or that I don't have. You actually don't have to have money to have this problem of worry about money. Or you can have, you can have all the money in the world and have a problem with this Thing about worrying about your money and what you're going to do with it. You can have that problem if you're penniless on the street or you're the wealthiest man in town. It's where your focus is. It, is, is it your master? That, that's basically what Jesus is saying. And if it's your master, you're always going to have something that you're worrying about.
There's a word used in these verses in verse 32 and also in verse 33, and I like how the the New Revised Standard Version translates it, to strive after these things, you know, for it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And then in verse 34, um, or sorry, in verse 33, it says, but strive first for the kingdom of heaven. And so the, it uses the same Greek word, and that's actually a good term for it. It's to strive for something. It's to pursue it. And so the good question to ask yourself is, what am I seeking after in life? What, what do I spend, you know, if you, if you looked at my life, if the way I work, the way I spend my leisure time, what I do with, when I'm with my family, when I'm not with my family, when I'm with my friends, or when I'm alone, what do I spend most of my time pursuing? And uh, that's a good question to ask. Uh, What do you spend most of your time, talent, energy, and money seeking after? And uh, I'm not going to take the time to read it, but of course if you read from chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, Uh, That's what it's talking about. Laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven instead of here on earth. Don't be so worried about the rest of your life here that you fail to invest in the hereafter. Okay, let me say that again. Don't be so worried about the rest of your life here that you fail to invest in the hereafter. And if, if you evaluate that in your life and and you know that's in the wrong direction, then you may have a problem with worry. In other words, don't trade your heavenly rest for an earthly nest. Don't trade your heavenly rest for an earthly nest. Okay, another question to ask. When uh, I know uh, worry becomes a spiritual problem for me, when I'm too busy trying to control what I cannot control, and neglecting to control what I can and need to control. There are things that God gives me control of. But usually worry happens when I'm trying to control things that I don't have control of. And to the point that I'm neglecting things that I do need to be in control of. Right? That's, you ever found yourself there? Man, I might be the only person who has this problem. Am I the only one that's struggling with this? I, I, I really struggle with this sometimes. Trying to control things that I don't have control of. Um, make a list. My mortality, disease, aging, death itself, my height. You know, speaking of that, you can't add a cubit to your... You know, I've been trying for years to go from five, six and a half to five foot seven. And I think I'm actually on the way down to five foot six. Instead of going the other, you know, like, what's going on here? A number of years, uh, maybe some of you remember Terry uh, Greenslade. What's her last name now? Nordberg or something? Yeah, she, uh, uh, a few years ago, we, we connected with each other when she was coming back up from, she lives in the States somewhere. She was coming back up to, uh, uh, to uh, the last, it was the last homecoming that we had at uh, Western Christian College in its last year of operation. So she was coming back up, she wanted to see a bunch of her her old friends and and she was trying to get herself, uh, she said, I'm trying to get back to my ideal weight, you know, 
And, I, and, so, and when I heard her say that, I said to her, well, I'm, I'm at my ideal weight. I just need to get to my ideal height. And, and everything will be, be all right. Um, but trying to control things, though, you know, how, how I look, how many hairs there are on my head. Yeah, that's a dwindle. I can't control that, unfortunately, as you can tell. I'm not trying to control things that I don't have control of. Give those things to God. There are things that I do have control of and that I need to be controlling. What I do with my emotions, like when I get angry or when I'm afraid or when I'm excited, my reactions and words to others, uh, taking responsibility for my words and actions, my attitude. I have control of my attitude. I don't have control of what the people around me are going to say and do and what the weather likes today, but I do have control of my attitude. I do have control. I can choose some priorities. I can set some goals. I can determine what my values are going to be. I don't, I don't have to let somebody else do that for me. I, can have, I have control of that. God gives me control of that. Um, making decisions and taking positive action. But you know, if I'm, if I'm trying to control you because I don't like what you're doing and what you're saying, uh, I'm, I'm going to be constantly worried because I can't control you. The only, the only, uh, God is asking me to be in control of my attitude and how I respond to you. You know, turn the other cheek and things like that. Control the things that you can control. That will lift a lot of worry. That leaves a lot of baggage you know, with, uh, with someone else to look after and not you. I know I have a spiritual problem with worry when I depend too much on myself or on others and not enough on God for everything. I mean, we, we should be responsible to each other and for each other and help each other out, but when we get too dependent on others or on ourselves, too self-dependent, uh, then, then we're going to have a lot of worry. But you know, if we've given everything to God and we trust in our Heavenly Father, we don't worry so much, do we? And then in verse 34, when I'm trying to do tomorrow, today. I loved the, yesterday with the thing about one day at a time. You know, I learned that, uh, and it was interesting, you talked about... Uh, um, those who are going through recovery process. It was a recovering alcoholic that helped me to learn that lesson. That is a lesson for all. This is, this is Jesus' principle for all of us. We might not suffer from alcoholism, but we'll, we'll suffer from worry if we're trying to do tomorrow, today. What did Jesus say in the, in the prayer? And I, I put that at the end. We don't have time to go through that prayer, but if you use the principles of the Lord's Prayer, which starts with our Father which art in heaven, that's how the prayer starts. That's really important. That's where your focus needs to be, is on Him and who He is. Hallowed is thy name. 
I only know that prayer in the King James Version, I guess. But when you, I mean, and you pray about the king, thy kingdom come and thy will be done, that's where your focus should be. God does want to hear about your needs and your concerns, and, but he wants you to focus on today. Give us this day our daily bread. Don't be trying to do tomorrow, today, one day at a time, right? So uh, have a look at that. That's why I gave you a handout. I knew we weren't going to get through all of this. The other thing I want to point out to you that, hi- that ties all of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 together is how many times, including this passage that we looked at, the focus is on my Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, and what he does for us. Um, you know, your heavenly Father knows all your needs. Uh, the passage, I'll just mention one. In the passage, chapter 7, verses 7 to 11, you know that famous passage of ask, and it will be given to you, seek, and you will be you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. When it gets to the end of that passage, he talks about, you know, even earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children. You know, if the son asks for a, a, a piece of bread, you don't give him a stone, you know. But then it goes on to say that your heavenly father gives good gifts to his children. So the solution is not any different. I know my sermon's been a little bit different than Hugh's, Except for this, the solution is the same. You build your relationship with your Heavenly Father, a relationship of love and trust, and you keep deepening that relationship all through your life, and you will worry less. And you will overcome these other spiritual problems that he talks about all through the sermon on the mount. It's your Heavenly Father that makes the difference. You're not going to be able to solve your problem of worry. You're not going to be able to solve your problem of anger. You're not going to be able to solve your problem of, uh, of any of them, lust or all of the things that he talks about, uh, yourself. Or, or, you know, you can't blame someone else for that problem or get someone else, uh, some other person, to, to fix that problem. It's not going to happen. That doesn't work. What works is to leave the baggage and to depend on your Heavenly Father. And then you will, you will fly. Then you will fly. Then it'll be the Sermon on the Plain. Is that, is that a different plane? Am I getting that wrong? And if you didn't understand anything I said this morning or anything that Hugh said last night on the same topic, don't worry about it. <laughs>